And here's a question for you now. For those people out there that are thinking about getting into this and they say they've only been deer hunters, is a call like a deer call? Can you change the read? Are you positioning a band on it? Or is this read in one position and you're alternating your breath volume and your, your hand placement only? Yes. The read is the read is fixed in a duck call. You've got a piece of cork that holds it in. Some have cork. Some have little pieces of rubber imitation cork mm-hmm. that holds them in. And it's it's fixed. You use the amount of air you blow through it to change your pitch and tone and the uh, your hand, how much air you're letting come through it, choking it down, opening it and closing your hand. It all... Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in the early dawn. On to presents... Welcome to American Roots Outdoors. Alex Rutledge, your host, in the studio again with Redbone Mike Crace and Wayne Locke. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. I've made Woo-hoo. it, man. That's what happens when you got another job. I don't think we're going to be hitting three weeks in a row, though, are we? No, I'll be gone next week. That's okay. Yeah, I'll be gone next week working at St. Genevieve, Missouri. Oh, nice. Lafarge Wholesome Cement Plant. Right, well, that's so I cool. have to call you guys from the evening. From St. Gen. St. Gen. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. That's a cool town. It, oh, right, it is. Right on the river. Yeah, it is. Yeah, St. Genevieve is a cool town. Very historic town. It is. Get out and enjoy some of the historic A lot of cycles. Dutch over there. Germans. Uh, yeah, a lot of German. A lot of German architecture. Mm-hmm. And you drive in St. Genevieve, we go over to Valley Catholic every once in a while for a football game, and, and the architecture is just fantastic. And most of the fields that are on the slope have the, the humps built in to avoid, you know, that was a German thing when they came here, that when they had fields that were on a hill... They would put those humps to keep all the, the dirt from washing down. Mm-hmm. And almost all the fields you see in in that whole St. Genevieve area have those humps, like tears, to their fields that are sloped. Interesting. It, it's a neat part of the world. It really is. St. Genevieve is also known for high school state championship wins. Uh, yeah. St. Gen, Gen Valley football. <laughs> and Wayne, this is an amazing statistic. St. Gen Valley, the Catholic school there, they have more state football championships than any other school in the state, all sports combined. Yep. Okay, I can believe that. We had uh, St. Ignatius up there in Ohio, in Cleveland, that just nobody could ever beat. I mean, they just rack them, rack them, rack them, and then finally they they started getting beat, and they were never the same after that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyway, everybody, we want to thank you for joining ARO, uh, radio show and podcast. Uh, We're going to pretty much focus this segment with one of our top team members Mr. Thomas Moore. This guy is known to be a killer of all species with his uh, boys that he has that could create a baseball team or a football team. <laughs> yeah. uh, this guy is a waterfowl guru, and the title of our show today is How to Become a Waterfowl Hunter. We're going to walk you through what you need to do to become a duck hunter and goose hunter. It's going to be a good cool. show, Redbone. Yeah, it will be a good, a good show because with the popularity of the waterfowl hunting, in our part of the world, Alex, I know it's been popular in other places for mm-hmm. a long time, but it's really picking up steam here in our part of the world. Well, that's that, that's true, because I've noticed on Facebook we're getting a lot of people that you start seeing in the Missouri area that seem to have taken up the waterfowl hunting. Because, you know, especially if you go to the marketplace, you're getting people, you know, in search of mm-hmm. decoys, in search of camouflage for their, you know, their boats mm-hmm. and stuff that just a few years ago you weren't seeing. Yeah. Do you think, Alex, that, that part of that might be because we don't have any... Uh, any quail anymore? Well, and, it, and could, bird it could be. Or transi- transitioning it could be. over to 
But I think a big part of why we're seeing some growth in waterfowl is one because of social media. Yeah, and, and and television shows and, and podcasts and radio shows, it, but also people want to stay busy. Mm-hmm. They want to be outdoors. Mm-hmm. And for all of our listeners out there, no matter where you're at, if you want to become a waterfowl hunter, you got to listen to this show because yeah. we're going to walk you through what you got to do to get started. It's going to be a great segment. Uh, Thomas Moore is very knowledgeable. Oh yeah, without a doubt. All right, so Alex, the uh, the alternative methods. Deer hunt just ended in Missouri, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it, it's strange that that's what they call it because you can use any alternative method. <laughs> yeah. But but basically, it's muzzleloader season. Yeah. I mean, commonly that's what they call it, muzzleloader uh-huh. season. Uh, care to guess how many deer may have been harvested in Missouri during just the muzzleloader season? Well, from my observations, watching social media and talking to people. Uh, Across the state, I'm going to say the numbers are not that strong. That is my guess. I may be wrong, but I did see a lot of people that harvested deer here in our area. 14,555. Oh, my goodness. It was a really good season. Yeah. Wow. How was that compared to last year? You know, I, I didn't see the numbers from a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, as I just put out a brief report today, MDC, that said 14,555 deer taken during the alternative portion of the season so i think that's pretty good oh it is it's very good uh you know i don't know what our numbers are here in our county shannon county or oregon yeah, they did, county, didn't have the county by county, county ripley uh dent county i don't know what they are but uh, i'm sure the numbers is probably pretty good because our numbers of deer has increased tremendously in the last two years yeah the number of the deer is up and the number of turkeys is way down yeah uh, did you see the report uh, this week from MDC, uh, Missouri Department of Conservation? They actually have uh, 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 brought in some folks to do a study of why the turkey population is going down. And uh, they're going to be trapping like 150 poults that are two days old and putting tracking devices on them so they can track their movements. Uh, but they uh, had an interview with a farmer who was watching a uh, a nest on his farm last spring. Uh-huh. And the nest, I believe he said, started with 18 eggs. Yeah. It hatched four poults. It's terrible. And only one of those survived. See, there, that's part of the problem. Hmm. But Predators. But I think we have so many so many problems, and, and raccoons is one of the biggest nemesis. And we say, we've shared this in our shows, Wayne, that crows, hawks, yeah. bobcats, All get the fox, coyotes, uh, and bear. Believe it or not, don't yeah. think a bear won't eat a turkey. A bear will eat a turkey. Oh, yeah, well, if they can catch it, they'll eat it. And that's one of the things the article said was that turkey poults, are the favorite food of every predator known Because they're easy to catch. They're easy to catch, exactly. Hmm. Easy to catch. Yeah. And, of course, the turkey eggs are a favorite for coons and possums and, and everything else. And the numbers, you know, I talked about the early 2000s, the heyday of turkey hunting in Missouri, 650,000 turkeys. Yeah. You know what they estimate the number at now? Oh, it's sad. 350,000. It's terrible. Wow. Half, terrible. Half, wow. Half of what there was 20 years ago. Well, do you think, and I'm asking both of you, uh, since we're on this subject, but we're going to go to another segment of the show here in about a minute and a half to two minutes. Do you think logging has hurt some of the turkey numbers? I don't think it has if, it, if they're responsible loggers who are piling that brush and putting it along the edge of the fields and creating habitat. 
Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, I would say because every time we've had any but the guys on from MDC, they said that actually the logging and the clear should cutting help. and stuff it like that, help. it should be increasing the number of turkeys because and stuff. it's creating nesting habitat. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, the turkey can browse on anything, you mm-hmm. know. Sure. And bagger lice, all that is comes up after they log. So right. I wouldn't, it wasn't a trick question to ridicule or attack logging because I'm for logging, as you all know. Oh, yeah, me too. But uh, I, I want to say this too. There's so many problems with predation, and and we've just got to have more trappers and we've got to have more predator hunters. That's what I think. And we've talked about that and covered those topics throughout several of our shows. And now I just want to touch on waterfowl for a couple of shows mm-hmm. to get some of our waterfowl followers following us and to learn some things from the ARO show. And uh, that's what we do. We right. bring great information, great content, and some humor, uh, even though we live across the street. I'm sorry, road from road, each other. Road. <laughs> yeah, I almost said it. Everybody, we're going to go to a break. When we come back. We've got Thomas Moore, ARO Team Kentucky. He is a guru when it comes to waterfowl hunting, turkey hunting, predator hunting, anything. And raising Don't kids. Don't go away. <laughs> hey, this is Eddie Salter, and you listen to American Roots. And outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. I've been on a big board for a while, like a load him in the back of my truck. Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day? I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move. Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wise Eye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com. And how do I find out more information about these guys? You go to WiseEyeSmartCam.com. I'm using them. You should, too. Make your hunt easier. Use WiseEye. A big old hill. Year after year. Got my hunting Hey, everybody, welcome back to American Roots, presented to you by Wise Eye Smart Cam. We've got special guest on the line, Mr. Thomas Moore. I thought, I thought we had Daffy Duck. <laughs> Daffy Duck. Yeah, you're some kind of host. That was an insult, wasn't it, Thomas? As long as you don't call me late for supper, I'll answer to anything. <laughs> hey, the name of this show here is How to Become a Waterfowl Hunter. Again, Thomas Moore on the line. Most of you know who he is. Thomas Moore is from Arlington, Kentucky, and this boy is a guru when it comes to hunting any kind of animal. And I think his number one love of the outdoors is probably waterfowl. Would you agree, Thomas? Most definitely. So tell us. Why should somebody become a waterfowl hunter? Why should we? Waterfowl hunting to me is you're communicating. It's like turkey hunting. You're communicating with the bird. And a lot of guys want to just shoot ducks, but that ain't what does it for me. What does it for me is just seeing how close you can get them before you kill them. Because anybody can shoot a duck at 40, mm-hmm. 50, 60 yards. Yeah. But when you can talk him in to lighten 10, 15 yards in front of you, you've done something. And it's just some satisfaction that comes from finishing one the right way. 
you're talking to him. You've you've fooled him. That's what he does all day, every day, is try to survive. And a human is a predator to him, just like you know a coyote or anything else. And you you just fooled him. And to me, that's that's the fun part of it. Yeah, it sounds like you're comparing a lot to turkey hunting, where you know people always say, hey, you know, shooting a turkey at forty, fifty yards. Well, anybody can do that. Get him into ten steps. Now you're you're a true hunter, true caller. Right. Yeah, and I and I think Thomas that uh, you nailed it right on the head. And I know I know a lot of, of duck hunters, and they say the same thing. Well, anybody can shoot some flying by at forty, fifty yards, but it's getting those ducks in close, getting them in close. That's right. Well, Thomas, you know, you just you, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's the communication with calling those birds in close. So there's a difference, and wouldn't you agree, to calling to a duck or to a goose or to a turkey than talking to them? Well, yeah, absolutely. That is what makes the difference of being able to call a turkey into 10 yards or a duck or a goose than someone calling and and getting them into 60 yards, 50 yards. So there's a That's difference. That's exactly right. Yeah. So Knowing what to tell him and when to tell him that, <clears throat> getting in that head, that's that's the fun part. Yeah, and, and you learn that by hunting and reading body language and, and uh, using different calls and listening to other turkeys, how they communicate. I can't tell how many people I've hunted with, and all they know how to do is yelp real loud and cut. They don't know how to tone it down and get it real low to to talk to them as a hen would or a mallard or a drake or whatever, you know. So uh, what I want you to do right now is what is the first thing a waterfowl, beginning waterfowl hunter needs to do? What does he or she need to do? Well, your first thing is going to be a location. You need a spot. And waterfowl hunting is getting to the point where if your pocketbooks ain't real deep, you're pretty well limited to public land. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of people on public land anymore. So a spot is first and foremost. And then you're going to have to do some scouting in that spot. And you're going to have to be willing to go a little further and put out a little bit more effort than everybody else. Well, what about, uh, you know, checking with your local farmers and that? You know, just doing the old door knocking like you do during deer and turkey season. Does that work for people, You Tom? can. In certain yeah. certain parts of the country, you can still get away with doing it that way. And even in Canada, you can still get away with doing it that way. But around here anymore, it's who's got the deepest pocketbook is who's got the good the good duck holes. So, so you say... It's kind of discouraging for a lot of folks, but there's a lot of public land. You just got to be willing to work at it a little bit harder than the other guy. So what you're saying is it's all about location, the dirt, the water that you're on. You got to have yeah. the ducks or geese to hunt. So that's basically yeah, what he's saying, just, listeners. So, so because now you've got a pond in your backyard don't mean that you're going to be able to kill ducks off of it. You've got to be where the ducks want to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're, you're pretty well wasting your time. So now they've got ducks. All right, our beginning hunter has found ducks. He's got a place to hunt, or she's got a place to hunt. What about calling? What are the calls that they need to learn? Calling, honestly, is not on the top of the list, in my opinion, of things that you need to know. Nine times out of ten, people don't get hit good. If you can find the spot where the birds want to be, mm-hmm. and you can get in there tight like you want to be, and get brushed in and get hid good, take you some snips and some 
some nylon 36 twine and tie you up a little makeshift <laughs> blind if that's what you need to do, but you got to get hid. If you're where they want to be and you can get hid, you'll shoot them in the face all day long. Wow. So you can actually scout and find these ducks or geese coming into a hole or an area and build a blind and just sit and wait and don't even use a call. Well, y- yes, you can. I know a lot of older folks that can't even blow calls, and that's how they kill them. But you use that call to coax them in, make them feel a little bit more comfortable, and to seal the deal. But if you can't blow a call, all hope is not lost. You just need the X. You need the location, and you need to be hid. So it's it's almost setting up like setting up on a deer a hot deer trail that's going from bedding to feed. If you're on the right trail, you can shoot deer all day long, any day that they come by. But if you're on the wrong trail because that's not the one that they want to be on, you're just not going to be able to shoot anything unless you call them over. Correct? That's that's exactly right. There you go. Well, I don't want where to... they want to be. You might as well be hunting dinosaurs somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want us to be contradictive, but because earlier in the show you said calling is everything, communicating, and being able to talk to them. So I don't right. want to confuse our listeners here. So you said that calling's not the most. I'm not being contradictive, but want to get our point across and why you said that. Well, if we're talking about first-time waterfowl hunters, more than likely they're not going to be that good with a call. So we don't want them to think that because they can't call, oh, that okay. they're not Great going answer. to be able to kill. You know, Great to, answer. To take birds yeah. because it is a priority, but not at first. Don't don't beat yourself up because you can't blow a duck call real good. I've got about two hundred mallard ducks on my pond out here, and when it comes to calling, you do not have to sound perfect. Nowhere mm-hmm. near perfect. I have live ducks out here that get choked and hiccup and carry on out there i have people all the time so they don't even sound like what yeah. you would think a real duck would sound like if i may like, say oh, i've been to thomas's house and he's got a big pond for ducks and he don't ever hunt them there never hunts them at his house and they study the ducks the audio and film them and He's obsessed with it. Well, it's like, like I am the deer. That's like with you with the deer in the yard, right? Yeah. You got them right out. You're not. You're not sitting on your back porch hunting them. You're there observing them. You're, you're following them. You're looking at their body language and you're learning. I'm learning. Yeah. All right. So, Thomas, you you answered my question, but I'm going to ask it again because I think it's important. And that is, can people go out that that want to call ducks that aren't very good and still call ducks? Or you or is it like turkeys? I mean, you go out in the turkey woods and and you sound like an old sick hen or or an old rooster. You're going to scare the turkeys off. Now, does bad calling scare the ducks off? Yes. Yes, it can. Sometimes you're better off to not say a word than you are to call, and that's what a lot of guys, I've hunted with a lot of folks. When a duck is committed, his wings are set, and he's coming into your decoys, ease off of him. You will blow him off of you for sure. I see it happen all the time. When he's, I, I call on the corners, I call very little. I start out. Not very aggressive at all. I'm pretty easy with them until I see, you know, and every day is different. But I'll start easy, and if you see that the birds want to hear more, you give them more. But you always start easy so I don't blow them off, especially toward the end of the season after they've been hunted all year. They've heard everything. Mm -hmm. So you want to be easy. Just a little lazy hen, as I like to call it. Just a little... (laughs) You just kind of drag it out a little bit. Just a little Good bit of stuff. that on the corners when they're not looking right at you. And that's another thing. Don't call when they're looking right at you because then they'll figure out that you're in that clump of grass over there that doesn't exactly look right. <laughs> and they'll figure enough. you out. So call when their back is to you or, or when you're, you know, having to catch them out of the corner of their eye or something. Yeah. 
Yeah. Good stuff, everybody. You're listening to Thomas Moore, ARO Team Kentucky, waterfowl guru, sharing tips and techniques, how to become a waterfowl hunter. We're going to a break. We come back. We're going to talk about vocalization, how to use a duck call or goose call. Don't go away. We'll be back with more American Roots Outdoors right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Jessica White with Wonder Woman, Kansas. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Big old hill, year after year, got my hunting gear. Eagle Seed presents. <laughs> Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. <laughs> if you want to become a waterfowl hunter, we've got the show for you today. We've got Thomas Moore on the phone, on the line, talking about how to become a waterfowl hunter. All right, so uh, uh, Thomas, I, I know that just like turkey hunting, there, there are different calls for different situations and duck hunting. The call you just did to open this segment, what was that call? What was that call? Well, I don't know proper terms and techniques. I just know what works <laughs> okay so was that, that was duck a, feeding or was I that duck with a, was a, that duck feeding or what was that duck what was you saying well uh, yes that was a, a duck feeding on the water and then a little lazy hen throwed out in the background Ooh, it went okay. <laughs> that's what ducks sound like on the water You'll hear a lot of folks do a rolling feed call. <laughs> Ducks don't do that on the water. That's what they do when they're flying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and, and ducks don't, they, they don't do that on the water. I mean, you may hear it amongst a, a bunch of, of birds, but it's because you're hearing a bunch of them jumbled together. They... You know what that sounded like to me? Sounded like my wife Renee yelling at me for not taking the garbage out. It was very close to, very similar to that. Very, that's, that's all I'm hearing. <laughs> so, Thomas, for our listeners, uh, they want to start using a duck call. Uh, there's lots of good duck calls out there. We've got a, uh, coming out with a waterfowl line. Uh, you've got some of our sample calls. You're using some of them. Uh, somebody picks up a duck call. What's the first thing I need to do? How do they need to hold the call? Talk to us about what we got to do to get somebody started using the duck call. I tell beginners to take the call, <clears throat> put it to your bottom lip like you're going to take a drink out of a soda bottle, and kind of rest it on your bottom lip and take your top lip and seal the top. Take your hand that's holding the call, <clears throat> hold it between your thumb and your forefinger on the end piece, and choke it down. I, I pretty well choke mine off until I figure out how each call blows differently. So I'll start with restricting it down, mm -hmm. and so, then a quack, just a basic quack. So what do you what you're going? Ha, ha. What are you saying? Yeah. If you could say it, 
Just blowing you know, air. You kind of grunt into the call a little yeah. bit. If you, and it comes from your diaphragm like most calls you blow. Don't come from your cheeks. Come from your diaphragm. And just kind of grunt. Say wheat into it. It's kind of what okay. I say. Okay. And the way you throw your hand from side to side can make it sound like multiple birds. Okay, sure, sir. It's all in your hand. So a beginner could, all you got to do is grab the call, hold it like you said, exhale air to produce the quack. Now that we've got the quack, what's the next call they need to learn? Your feed call. Okay. And, and explain it's, that. It's easier than the it. quack, really. Just took, 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 tick, tick, took, took. And in no certain rhythm. <laughs> close your hand down on the call. And between notes, open it, close it, open it, and close it. So it sounds like different birds. All I'm saying is tuk 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 tick 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 tick. Well, and here's a question for you now: for those people out there that are thinking about getting into this, and they say they've only been deer hunters, is a call like a deer call? Can you change the read? Are you positioning a band on it, or is this read in one position and you're alternating your breath volume and your your hand placement only? Yes, the read is read is fixed in a duck call. You got a piece of cork that holds it in. Some have cork, some have little. Pieces of rubber imitation cork mm-hmm. that holds them in, and it's it's fixed. You use the amount of air you blow through it to change your pitch and tone, and the uh, your hand, how much air you're letting come through it, choking it down, opening it and closing your hand. It all it'll all come to you. You just got to play with it. Practice, practice, practice. That's what I tell my kids. Take it outside, not down here in the basement. Take it outside in the yard and practice. Well, as a follow-up question with that, then, is can you get away with just one call? Or, you know, do you need to have multiple calls for, you know, different things? I mean, are you carrying a necklace full of calls when you go strictly for mallards? I have my lanyard. I'll I'll have uh, two duck calls and a goose call that I keep on it, which I very seldom ever blow a goose call. I'll call geese with my voice because it sounds different than calls. Mm Mm-hmm. But, uh, yes, I have one that I use all the time, and the other one's basically on there for backup. In case my reed was to stick up or freeze up, I can grab the other call real quick if I need it. Okay. Right, so, uh, but Thomas, you can get by just fine with one call. Yeah, Thomas, you're talking about, uh, you know, practice, practice, practice. I'm assuming that, you, that you're heard of kids. Uh, they practice. When they get to practice, and it sounds like a whole sky full of ducks coming in. Do they ever come? It does. It sounds like a whole flock of them. <laughs> does, does it ever, do they ever come running into the house and say, Dad, Dad, the pond's covered with ducks? <laughs> yeah, that's every day at our house. <laughs> because I've had something like that. I, I got a, the the ARO crow call, and if I if I start hearing some crows off in the mm-hmm. distance, I'll get it out. Especially if I'm out like on Sunday afternoons, I do a lot of grilling, mm-hmm. and I just sit out there by the grill and just blow the crow call. And then I start looking around, and there's crows everywhere. It's fun, but I never remember to take a gun. <laughs> <laughs> The movie Birds comes to mind. Well, I do know this. I do know this, and I'm I, I, not meaning to get off subject, but we're still on subject of waterfowl. Uh, I've water, I've duck hunted a few times, and I must say I, I like it. I'm afraid that I would begin to like it too much because <laughs> a lot of waterfowl hunters, and they'll tell you, it becomes addictive, and you'll quit deer hunting. And I don't want to quit deer hunting. You know, would you agree with that, Thomas? Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> when I was a kid— 
my grandfather had done outgrow the duck hunting scene, and uh, I hear war stories about how many ducks they killed back then and this and that. Man, I always wanted to go. I just it was it was after me. I had to figure it out, and I would take the stories and stuff that he had told me, and uh, that's how I I learned how to hunt. But once once duck hunting deer hunting was always our thing, and then once waterfowl got in my blood, as soon as Thanksgiving rolls around. Pretty well forget deer hunting for Tom. I'm looking for a duck somewhere, <laughs> with the exception of this year. This year's been a little different. Yeah. Everybody, you're listening to American Roots Outdoors radio and podcast show with ARO team member Thomas Moore. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about vocalization, how to use a duck call. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more right after this. Right here, right now. This is Chancey Walters listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge, the Ozark Herd Bull. Passed on down, planted deep in the ground Around your heart So you never gotta worry What the wind might do American Roots Hi everybody, this is Alex Rutledge with American Roots Outdoors. How many of you needed an attorney? If you're like me, sometimes you do. I go to Zane Prevet at the Prevet Law Office, Willow Springs, Missouri. No case is too big or too small. You can call Zane at 417-469-3535. Zane Prevet at the Prevet Law Office. This is Alex Rutledge, and he is my attorney. Hornady presents Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. That was not a real goose, everybody. It sounded real, but that's Thomas Moore, ARO Team Kentucky, waterfowl expert. A guy that, uh, man, he's just awesome. And his knowledge, Wayne Redbone, is phenomenal. Yeah, Thomas, you said earlier in the program that, that you usually don't carry a goose call. You do the goose call with your with your natural voice. Was that a yes, goose sir. call or your natural voice that, that you just did? That was actually a goose call. Okay. Yeah. Can you do your voice? Well, yeah. Yeah, let's You can? You know, the first time I met this boy, he was 12 or 13 years old. I was doing a Walmart in-store promotion over in Paducah, and he comes up to me. Little bitty boy. I've known Thomas Moore for over 25 years. Wow. It's been a while, for sure. You remember that day, Thomas? Yeah, I'll never forget it. I walked up, and I thought, who's the guy by the HS rack? And I walked over, and at that point in time, I think you was just getting your start good. Mm-hmm. And uh, we stood there and talked. seemed like probably 15, 20 minutes. And then it was about, I don't know, five or six la- uh, years later that you'd done a promotion at Dunn Sporting Goods, and mm-hmm. I sat there and listened to a, a seminar, and uh, you picked me out of the crowd. You remembered me. Of course, I remembered you, too. But mm-hmm. hmm. It was a big crowd there, too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a pretty good 
pretty good. Every seat was full, the best I remember. <laughs> now, the people need to come and hear Thomas Moore talk about turkey hunting, deer hunting, and waterfowl. You, you, you're very knowledgeable. Uh, you just run a goose call. You've done it with a call, and you've done it with uh, your voice. Uh, what is some more sounds that the beginning waterfowler can, that you can teach them right quick with a duck call, then go to a goose call? Your feeding calls <clears throat> and your high ball. Your high ball is a hail call. That's to get their attention at, at a distance. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's important. You need to know that, but it's not as important. As I keep calling it a lazy hen. I'm sure somebody else has got a different name for it, but it's that long, drawled out, wah, 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 wah. That's what a content hen mallard does when she's sitting on the water. That's the most important, in my opinion, and a little bit of feeding calls. Good but stuff. But you can do the highball, which is a... That sounds over the phone. It might have sounds, Oh, it sounds awesome. Don't yeah, you sounds, agree? Well, I agree. Sounds, I think it sounds really good. And you know, it, it took me back to a few years ago, Alex, you and I, and and a couple other uh, folks who were with us. Then we went to the World Deer Classic in Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. And the table sitting right across from us was some guys from a duck call company, and they did that particular call mm-hmm. for three solid days. <laughs> There were three of them. That's what you get when you go to a, a sports show. They did that call. I'm telling you, those three guys, and it, most of the time it was all three of them at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Redbone went over and hit one of them. I won't forget it. No, he hit him back with <laughs> a hot dog. No, I'm teasing. No, I didn't. I, I, threw, I, I threw out some breadcrumbs on the bread dial. Cr- <laughs> all right, so, so Thomas, how often do you want to call? I mean, I think that's important. Do you just go out and you just start calling and calling and calling until ducks come? Or do no, you just call? You, you don't just call and call and call. You have to learn to read the birds. That's that's the most important thing. I know guys that have hunted for years, but they still haven't learned to read the birds. you got to tell them what they want to hear when they want to hear it. Like I said earlier, if he's coming, his wings are set, just shut up and get your gun ready. But if he acts a little squirrely, he comes in, makes a pass or two, and yeah, something just ain't right about the situation here. As he's trying to leave or hitting the corners, you get in him a little bit with that high ball. Not to the extent of what I just did. You don't want to hit him that hard. You just kind of... And then when he turns, back off of that. Go back to... And now when he's looking right at you, you want to remember to to hush up when he's looking right at you. Just kind of hit him on the edges, the corners. So the sound that you're making, uh, you're not doing mating sounds at all? No. No, not at all. These these calls are what, like I said, it's what Mallard Hen does when she's content on the water. And she'll do a high ball when she's trying to get another duck's attention. If he's okay. flying by not looking at the bunch at a distance, She'll highball, and she'll as soon as that bird. If you watch these ducks that I have on my pond, as soon as the duck that she's highballing at shows her that he sees what's going on, he hears her. She shuts up. She'll quit that highball right in the middle of a note, and she'll stop. And she'll go back to back to back to back to doing her thing on the water. That's that's important when when you see a response from that bird when you've been in them, you need to ease up. Now, if you see that they lose interest in you, you need to get in them again. 
but you do not have to stand on them and stay on them all the time. There are times we've killed ducks in the timber, especially, where you have to call them like you're screaming at them all the way to the water. Now, that's not very often for us. We don't normally call that hard, but it does happen. And don't be scared to try something different. You know, what worked today might not work tomorrow. Some days you have to be more aggressive than others. Right. Now, that uh, the call that you were just doing, is was that for, like, say, you're hunting, you know, you're looking after, you know, drakes and mallards and that? Or is it one call work for wood ducks also? Or, I mean, what do you... You're calling it a wood duck, you can call it a wood duck. That's something that I've never mastered because the way we kill wood ducks around here, we pretty well pass you to wood duck. You know where he's going. You know where he's been. You kind of get in the path and you kind of pass shoot him. Now, during big duck season, which is right now... They will come in, but to call it a wood duck is pretty well pointless. In it's my a different opinion. sound. They, they don't sound the same. Well, that's no, why not I, at all. It's right. That's why I was wondering. Sound. You got? Do you carry a different call? So, like I say, you see wood ducks coming. Do you grab a I different call ever, real quick? You, and, can, you can holler at them with with a mallard call. Okay. And sometimes they'll pay attention to that when they really? see your decoys, and then here they'll come. Really? So they're just social. They yeah. want to look for company. Right. Okay. Now, what's a wood and duck you can sound call like? Ducks. With a goose call, and you can call geese with a duck call. I don't have a wood duck. <laughs> oh, okay. Can you do it with your voice? No, I can't do a wood duck with my voice. Oh, my gosh. I think that's the only only <laughs> bird the <laughs> only bird that Thomas cannot do with his voice. <laughs> yeah. well, so Tom, me, guys. <laughs> yeah, Thomas, I think as we get ready to wrap this up here in just the next couple of minutes, uh, so we're calling ducks. They're looking for food, obviously. So, I mean, you're calling them the food, right? The time of year when we're hunting them. They're looking for food. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, good information. Or they're looking for a, a, a place to sit mm-hmm. without somebody sticking a gum barrel up their hind end, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what we're going to do, we've got a bonus segment coming up, Wayne, and we've got about two minutes left here. Talk about the bonus segment, and I think what he's going to share with us is some of his secret calls that he does. He probably didn't give us throughout the radio show that they can listen to on the podcast. Yeah, and I'm also mm-hmm. gonna I'm also gonna hit him up for some information on equipment. Yeah, because this is this time of year when you're hunting. This is not a pansy we'll a type two. of person. Still part two next week. Yeah, but I, I'm saying we want to make sure we get into that equipment. The because it, this time of year, this is not pansies that are going out there and hunting Come with on. stuff. Come you're on. gonna be rough. You're gonna be having to deal with some severe weather in that. It's not a mama's boy. There's probably a reason where a lot of these guys have those, you know, 14 inch beards on them <laughs> you know, because they're trying to break the wind and break the weather in that. But well, you know, you got decoys. We got to talk about that too. Yeah, next say, week. We didn't even mention decoys or, or ammunition, right? or, or, ammunition yeah. or anything. Yeah, all that coming up on the podcast. Part two. We'll have a part two next week, yep. and, but also he's going to touch on some secret calls and also teach you how to blow a goose call in the bonus segment. So, Wayne, talk oh, about Wayne. the bonus. Uh, bonus segment, to listen to that, just go to your favorite podcast carrier, American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge. Make sure you subscribe. You're going to listen to the show. You're going to catch the uh, extra bonus segment where Tom's going to be talking about some calls and that. And remember to subscribe, leave us a review to get into the contest that we give away. And guys, I'm telling you, this goes out to the guys. Leave us a review because 80% of our reviews right now are coming from women. People are asking yeah. me, how come women are always winning the review stuff? Because women it's are the Wayne. ones... It's Wayne in win, his beard. Yeah, women are the ones Red leaving the reviews. Head. Guys, if you, want to, if you want a chance to win these big packages, leave a review. Yeah, follow our Facebook, American Roots Outdoors, Alex Rutledge, and when our rooter runs deep and strong... There's no reason to fear the wind. So you never gotta worry what the wind might do. American roots. Thank you.
you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Texas Rays Hunting Products presents American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. This is Wayne Locke. I got Alex and Mike in the studio and Thomas Moore on the phone. If you're listening to this, that means you are listening to the podcast. And thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a review to be entered in the contest. We're giving stuff away on a pretty much bi-weekly basis. So we'll be doing a drawing here for next week. All right, Thomas, and, and you know we're on the radio show earlier, and and all that stuff, and here in a bonus, we didn't talk about dogs. Do you? I know a lot of people hunt with dogs to retrieve their ducks out of the water. Do you retrieve or hunt with retrievers? No, I don't. I'm not. You know why? You know why he don't? Because he can't afford him. He's got too many kids. <laughs> well, that, right. I'd say that that's what it is. When he shoots a duck, he just looks at his kids, and well, this time it's the nine-year-old's turn to go get my Your duck. Your turn. You know, <laughs> next time it'll be the, the seven-year-old's turn to go get my duck. <laughs> you guys are laughing, but that's for real. I, <laughs> like, hey, I I understand. I understand. Hey, do they turn your channel on the TV too, or do you got a remote? What I got a remote, but they can change it if I need them to. Well, here, hey, <laughs> I bet now, they do. Here's even a more important question: When they're out there, do you give them hand signals of you know, like you do a dog? You know, no, no, Absolutely. go left, go right, no, back. Do you blow a whistle to bring them back to here's you? Another question: yeah, Do no, you I'll shot whistle when they're when they're looking in the wrong spot? I'll go, <laughs> Last <laughs> uh, question, you ready? Then we're gonna get serious. Do you shock and collars? <laughs> I can't talk about that on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what though, Thomas, speaking of your kids, let's go back to because we're this is all about getting into duck hunting. How old were your kids when you first handed them their very first duck call and said, Okay, we're gonna learn this? I've got pictures of Avon, which is my oldest, blowing a duck call when he was, or trying to blow a duck call, playing with it when he was 18 months old. Oh, I've got 18 a, months I've got old. a 19 wow. month old right now walking around the living room blowing a duck call. I've had to come hide so I could talk to you guys where I could hear y'all <laughs> because he's walking around with a duck call in his mouth right now. Now, what about when they, when you're like really wanting to get serious and trying to teach them actual techniques? About how old do you think about they are? Six, five or six. Five but or six, when, okay. when they're messing with it right now, as a kid, they just, I don't know, it makes it easier, I think. Once, sure. once they've played with it as a little kid, like 19, two years old, 19 months, two years old, something like that, they'll figure out how to make that quack pretty quick. Okay. I mean, it's that easy. You can figure it out pretty yeah. easy. Yeah, the, kids, the babies do it. Yeah, the kids And once are... they have figured that out, it's a whole lot easier to start teaching them what to do with that quack when they get a little bit older well they don't have any bad habits yet right so that's why it's so much easier to teach them that's right and how old are they when you start taking them out into the duck blind lincoln is my three-year-old and if i catch the right day this year when it's not just horribly cold i think we're going to kill some ducks in front of him i'll take him this year three four something like that but you don't want them to be uncomfortable that's that's the thing. That's why I said I'm going to pick the day, and if we get that day, I'll take him. Now, do you, you don't ever... want to freeze them out. You don't want them to be uncomfortable. And waterfowl hunting can be very uncomfortable. Yeah. How many of the How many of the kids? And you have, I know you have several. How many will you take at a time on a particular hunt? I've got a 20 foot boat that I've rigged up with a, a hard blind on it. I've got three heaters in it and a cook stove, and. uh 
I can take all four that are big enough to shoot right now with me at a time, plus another adult to help me out. Wow. So let's talk about this here uh, duck hunting. You said cook stove because I love eating. We all love to eat. You double looking at all yeah, three see, of us. Look at guys. us, yeah. So, so these new beginning hunters that's thinking about waterfowl hunting, talk about the fun side of of eating and cooking while you duck hunt. Yeah, a lot of your older guys they've kind of got past the whole harvesting part of it. A lot of them have, and they go for the companionship the camaraderie however you want to say that and that's that's one good thing about waterfowl hunting is when you have a blind and you have a, a spot to go and you're not roughing it like i've pretty well had to rough it my whole life because when you're when you're poor like me that's what you got to do but oh, yeah. uh there's a uh, cook stoves and some of these guys around here got televisions and everything in the <laughs> darn dog blind and can, can i miss them football games <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of them boys up Ballard County got big high dollar blinds that they'll uh, they got you know satellite dishes run to it, television in there, and everything you need in a good man cave just <laughs> just camouflaged up. Hey, and I walk saw out one, on, the front porch I saw one on TikTok. It. That's the dream for everybody. That's have crazy. A setup like that. That's I saw crazy. one on TikTok and it goes our duck camp. You walk through this old room with a bunch of junk in it and it goes into a room. It looks like. Bass Pro Shops. <laughs> then it goes through that room to guys outside with brush in front of their deals with a flat screen behind them. Hmm. They oh, got no, some money. Oh, don't no they? ducks come in. The Today Show's on. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, cooking. Do you, what do you cook for your boys? What do you cook when y'all hunt? I pretty well always, if, if we're going to go and we know we're going to have to sit a while, I'll take. Uh, I usually make sausage, egg, and cheese sandwiches for everybody. Oh, I've got an oven in my in my. It's a like a camper stove is what it is. It's mm-hmm. got the three eyes on top and then the oven in the bottom, so I can make biscuits. <laughs> if Ashley goes oh. with us, we'll take and we'll make biscuits, and she'll cook biscuits and gravy while we're hunting in the boat with us. But if it's me, I usually just make sausage, egg, and cheese sandwiches. I'll take bun and some eggs and. Uh, of course, my skillet and all my stuff stays in there in its own little cubby hole that I got it kept in. And I'll fry up eggs and sausage and make sandwiches and hand them down the line. Now, just out of curiosity, do you have to play the wind right so the ducks don't smell this when they're coming in? or you know? <laughs> no, that's one good thing. Another good thing about waterfowl, you ain't got to worry about what you smell like. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Thomas. Yes, sir. Do you have to whisper when you're duck hunting? What? <laughs> Do you have to whisper when you're duck hunting? Not all the time, no. <laughs> I mean, if you're working birds, you don't want to be loud. You want to whisper. But for the most part, you can talk in a normal tone of voice. Wow. And then, of course, when you see birds, spot birds, then you go to a whisper. I it's not you. like deer hunting where you got to yeah. whisper the entire time or turkey hunting. You're yeah. having to whisper the entire time because you don't never know when something's going to pop up on you. Yeah. But yeah. it's probably very similar to turkey hunting because you got to be camouflaged from head to toe, right? Oh, I it's... mean, they'll pick up the glare off your cheekbones and stuff like that, right? Absolutely. You need to keep your face down. That's a lot of a lot of times your beginner duck hunter, he's going to look up and what we call pie facing him. Pie He'll face. just look up and just smiling from ear to ear and watching him <laughs> and that white face is shining. Uh-huh. Like a dime and a goat's behind it. I mean, it'll it'll flare him in a heartbeat. Windshield wipers on a billy goat's butt. <laughs> yeah. If you're not calling, you're not calling the shots. If you're going with somebody, the best thing you can do is take the bill of your hat and look 
pretty well keep your head level and look over under the bill of your hat and try to just dart your eyes. Don't move your whole head. Just kind of keep your eyes dancing back and forth. And whoever's running the duck call, watch them and their body language. They'll tell you what the birds are doing if they know what they're doing. I just come up with an idea for a new product. Take your hat and cut out a hole in your hat brim. You can look through it. You'll never have to raise your head. <laughs> I've got to. Uh, you probably done that. Away Thomas some of my probably done here. that. I got uh, our rigs that we got set up in Canada. Our layout blinds. A lot of people use Avery finisher blinds to hunt out of, or yeah. something similar, just like a chase lounge type deal that's got a blind built around you. You throw the doors open, you come up and shoot. Well, I took it a step further. Up there, I've got it rigged up with a goose shell over the top of your face. <laughs> so you can still watch the birds work, and we'll literally have birds lying on our, our feet in oh those my. blinds. But for the people that just can't stand it, they got to watch and move their head the whole time. That goose shell actually hovers right over the top of your head, and it's attached to the door. So when you throw the door open to the little blind that you're in, of course, it yeah. throws the goose shell out of your way so you can shoot. But you've got about a three-inch rim all the way around between the blind and the goose shell where you can watch everything that's going on. Wow. Well, see, that's I like that neat little trick there. Yeah. Good information. We're going to wrap the show up here, everybody. We're going to have a part two next week of waterfowl, how to become a waterfowl hunter with Thomas Moore. Yeah, we're going to cover next week. Well, let's cover some equipment, waders, different things that you recommend. Uh, let's also we make sure. decoys because decoys are yeah. really important to me. Yeah, decoys, and uh, we're going to talk about guns and ammunition, because I'm, I'm curious when guys want to get, get their kids out, what are your kids shooting? We're going to talk about that next week. Yeah. We want to thank you all for listening to American Roots Outdoors. Again, this is part one, how to become a waterfowl hunter with Thomas Moore, ARO Team Kentucky. Redbone? When your roots run deep and strong. There's no reason to fear the wind. <laughs> <laughs>